and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Morning. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. I love children's perspectives on things, and I wanted to share that because something happened to me recently that's got me on a train of thought that's led me to this morning. And it was an incident with my two teenage stepdaughters, one of which is about to turn 18, the other which it was literally her 16th birthday weekend. And there was um, a series of events happening that day that they were both feeling quite unfair about. And on separate occasions in that day, they both came to me with the same um, line. And it was, it's not fair. Why is it one rule for them and one rule for me? And then literally several hours later, the other one came to me and said exactly the same thing. And it got me thinking, Layla's ringing me literally right now. It got me thinking, um, why, why are we coming from with that? What is it about fairness and this one rule thing? The one rule thing in particular got me thinking, you know, why is there one rule for them and one rule for me? Why are we so triggered by fairness, it's definitely a trigger. It's definitely a thing that we all feel. I've, I mean, even since doing this, I've heard it mentioned so many times just in conversations about, about uh, kids and just stuff that's going on in the world, about fair play, about playing fair. But in a world of so many billion people, all with differing views, different histories, different filters, then how is a one rule for all ever going to work? How, how can that work? Surely we live in an unfair world. The world isn't really fair, because I'm not actually sure fairness is a thing. It's just what we kind of tell ourselves. Or is it that we're just in a constant state of comparison? Is it that our value is based on how we feel we've been treated, what we think we deserve, always needing more and feeling shortchanged, and what we feel we're entitled to? Is it about the histories and the filters that are feeding into us? We talk about fair play and fair sports. I mean, at my kids' school, their sports day, oh, it's, it's hilarious. So they, they don't play competitive, they don't do competitive sports, they don't do the racing and stuff. They do a bit at the end, but you go around in these little heats watching them do, um, do like activities which they then get different scores for. But if your kid's competitive, you aren't going to get that out of them. And we had an incident at George's, on George's heat where one of his friends had to bounce a ball. And George bounced it and he counted one, two. And he actually did three, but he only counted two. And his other friend did about one and it fell over. And they said to him in the end, well, what did you get? And the, and the little boy who did one went, oh, I got eight. So we got marked down as eight. And James is just there going, well, that's not fair. And the parents of the other kid just think it's funny. <laughs> but 
you can't take that sort of vibe out of people, humanity, because we like, we like to be competitive. And actually, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, fairness and unfairness is literally everywhere. But I can't talk about fairness, and, and this isn't necessarily all going to be about fairness today. I just want to put that out there. It's just where my thoughts are going. But, you know, we've got to bring up the topic of equality, you know. But I... I'm not going to tap into that too much this morning because I feel like equality is a slightly different topic. I feel like that's more about what's reasonable and unreasonable a little bit. Whilst gender and race equality are no brainer, but even with all that, once we start alienating others and anything becoming an ism, then that's a problem. And that's where fairness again becomes too much a part of it. So the issue was with Evie and Layla that it was all about their perspective what their inner narrative was telling them, what their egos were telling them, because they were coming at the same thing, but from different perspectives. You know, and it tends to be when we're not passing through our experiences. I shared a bit about this a few weeks ago, about when you go through things in your life, you have to sort of let those circumstances and experience pass through you, because what happens is we let these things stick to us, and then that's where our filters and our insecurities and all that baggage can come, and that's when we start to filter through those perspectives. So this morning, I'm going to show a clip now in Canto. And the film in Canto is quite a nice little illustration of this. And the main character, Mirabel, has been born into a family who, when they come of age, receive special powers and a magic which makes them different from other people, makes them more unique. But as the film progresses, we find out that Mirabel wasn't actually given a magic gift. She tries to hide her disappointment at that, but it's clearly eating away at her. But however... We also learn, as it goes on, that her family, who have the gift, don't necessarily enjoy them. They feel they're a burden, they feel weary with it. And one member has even been cancelled. Like, he didn't fit into the narrative, so he's just been cancelled out of the family. You know, we don't talk about Bruno, right? <laughs> so, it's all about the different perspectives and the different experiences, but with the one only common denominator being is that they feel it isn't fair. So I wanted to share that this morning because it's something I've definitely been dealing with in my life. And when we talk about perspective and comparisons and lacks, you know, I think body image and how we view ourselves internally and outwardly is, is a big thing that a lot of us actually face. And we learned last week from Jenny about the common narratives, you know, the inner dialects we have with ourselves and the narratives that we expose ourselves to. But what if that inner voice you're listening to or the narrative you're exposing yourself to is fake? Fake narratives. What do I mean by fake? Well, I learned recently about a process in advertising and marketing called choice architecture. And this is the framing of a choice in order to manipulate the outcome of someone's decision. For example, when you walk into a clothes shop, the latest new items will be displayed in an appealing way, often styled on a mannequin to sell us a lifestyle. In supermarkets, people are more likely to choose 20% less fat labelling than if they put... 75% fat labelling. <laughs> in medicine, we're more likely to choose a medication that is proven to be 90% successful than being presented as 10% likely to die from it. It's a subtle form of easing the consumer into making decisions that will benefit the retailer the most. But we all love a good offer and love a good statistic, but is it really a decoy? It's important to recognise that this is at play. And perhaps there are other options available to us that we haven't considered, because the world isn't black and white. And after all, even an expert isn't always right. 
How much are we reacting to the information presented to us? We see all this in this current digital age we're going through, and we're having to navigate our children through. Social media, algorithms, influencers selling us a lifestyle, how the media presents information to us, propaganda, as we've learned over the years, religion, cancel culture. You know, you can't have an opinion now, and if it doesn't sit with someone else, they can just block them, cancel them. And relating to the clip, diet culture. You have to look at this. Oh, sorry. You have to look like this to be happy and carefree. Hashtag living my best life. Ugh. All these narratives are feeding into our consciousness and telling us what we're missing out on. They feed into our lack. You're not slim enough, not fat enough, not, eat, not earning enough, not traveling enough, not got the latest iPhone, not saying the right thing. We need X to be fulfilled, to be happy. We need to earn our place in this world. Nah, this is not truth. It is all a decoy. It is advertising. No wonder we feel the way we do sometimes. Interestingly, I didn't know until recently that it was actually Body Image Awareness Week this week. And I wanted to touch on this because typically most of us struggle with body issues, women and men, constantly berating themselves and missing out on life because we're not pretty enough. Or someone may see my flabby back in swimwear or my, or my skinny legs in a skirt. So we sit politely out of the limelight, not playing with our children as our face and body doesn't fit there. It's a very common narrative that's based on fake information. Here at Q, we are on a quest for truth. And for me right now, I'm finding my truth in this arena. The narrative of diet culture is sucking you into a vortex of punishing your body into grueling gym sessions, talking to yourself unkindly, avoiding mirrors, encouraging self-loathing, offering you a final product that won't ever satisfy your soul. If your life felt rubbish at size 18, it's not necessarily to give me any less rubbish at size 8, because your size was never the problem. Without confidence in all aspects of our being, we're always open to the influence of lack and comparison and unfairness. The perspective that we don't, the perspective that we don't have value as we are. It's not about being able to change, not being able to change or be healthy. It's about how you talk to yourself along the way. If we can't be our own cheerleader, then we're pretty screwed. It's about growth. It's not about how we manage ourselves internally. It, sorry, it's not just about how we manage ourselves internally and mentally and spiritually. It's about how we view ourselves outwardly too. It all connects. It all connects. As Jenny says last week, the secret ingredient is you, and that is all of you. <laughs> you don't need to earn your place in the world because it's there for you to take. Another example that some of us might be able to relate to is the issue of FOMO, the fear of missing out. Life presented to us in a shiny Instagram post of how amazing a day out has been that you didn't go to or weren't invited to. When we say yes to something, though, we are always going to be missing out on something else. Like us choosing to be here this morning means we're missing out somewhere else. So FOMO, again, is just a life presented to you that wants to make you feel like you're missing something. A friend talked recently about her struggle with not being able to make a gathering they'd been invited to. It made her question what others were doing, if they were going or if they cared if they went or not. I mean, I know I get like that too. But she came to the conclusion that a life of judgment is a life unlived. When we're constantly judging others and fairness of it all, we just end up missing out on the moment and experience we've, been cho we've chosen to be in. The jealousy and envy we feel, 
You know, we're always taught that you can't think positively, think positively, but jealousy and envy and all these emotions are things that are just exposing stuff in you. Like, don't just ignore them. Pass through them again. Let them expose to you what part of your psyche and part of your life needs reconciling, needs thought process. Needs, you might need some help with that. Chat through with somebody. How about we have a little bit more of JOMO, the joy of missing out? I've chosen not to go, and I'm glad I didn't go. <laughs> No one said we had to be perfect, so stop trying to be and own your messy. So, once we own our place in the world, it's time to flow in it and find what I call our sacred space. So, what do I mean by the sacred? Well, whatever God is to you, an energy, a spirit, an entity, a person, it moves you, molds you, shapes you, grounds you. And I'm less concerned about what that looks like these days and more of concern about how I connect with it and flow with it. So for those who don't know, I'm an artist. And so the creative flow is something I 100% get because when I do my job, there'll be times when I'm feeling super nervous about a task that I've got to do. Like recently, I've been given a task of making some wire mesh ghosts. And the thing that I am making it out of is a roll of mesh like about this big and about three meters long and you get it out of its packaging it is, you might as well be building out wrapping paper it just looks like what do I do with that but you have to start step by step and start seeing what you're trying to do and you start molding it and shaping it and once you start getting into a process like that you go into what's called a state of flow which is where you just get so caught up in what you're doing and you're still feeling anxious but yet you're thinking oh yeah no this is going right this is looking good you know, this is fitting, and before you know it, a few hours have passed, and you step back and you think, whoa, that's actually looking like it should. And, um, and there's a great satisfaction that comes out of that, and, and that's called being in a state of flow. And I think, actually, you know, I talk about it from my perspective as art, but, you know, I think we can have that generally in life and be in this state of consciousness and this state of sacred space that helps us ebb and flow through life and through the things that we face and the lacks and comparisons and all that stuff I've been talking about. The dance of the creativity, that's what I like to call it. Once you realize you're just a vessel for all that you've been given, you learn to flex with it. I facilitate all that I am in my creativity and my art. I'm the gift. It's my gift. It's the gift of the I am. It's the thing you've been given. It's the thing that you can outpour out of you because it's there, it's in you. I love the paradox at work as well in the energy of flow, that you can be anxious yet at peace, you can be busy yet quiet, you're so focused on what you're doing but utterly lost at the same time, fearful of the challenge. I mean, some of the stuff I get asked to do, it's like, <laughs> okay, uh, but then you're joyful at the response of it. You feel good that you did it and you achieved it. You know, unsatisfied. Sometimes I don't always like what I do, but, you know, I'm also hugely satisfied that I've met the client's demands or whatever. And, but how we get into that flow state, that sacred, sacred space, where the juxtaposition of all that God is and all that life is collides. The I am, the you, the secret ingredient is you. So I just wanted to share this slide um, that came off the back of that clip. Um, and it... I'm trying to sort of help you think about this practically. So when our growth, so see this as a little chart, when our growth is low and the challenge is high, we can feel overwhelmed. It can become, we can become controlling, self-critical, over-anxious because we're trying to kind of challenge ourselves in an area that we've kind of not grown in yet. 
But if the growth is too high and the challenge is low, then we can get bored, we can feel placid, underwhelmed, and too good for this. So it's finding out where you are on the scale and where the challenge doesn't feel too great, because challenging yourself is a good thing. But if it's too out of reach, then we slip into the slump of lack and comparison again, and our egos are bruised. But let me explain that a little bit in practical terms. So the example of me talking this morning. So when Anth uh, announced that he was retiring, um, I was actually away in Edinburgh. And, uh, and I got told, oh, you, need to listen. you need to listen to what's been said, and, and I did. And, and it really uh, penetrated me, and I was literally weighed, laid awake at 4 a.m. that night, thinking, oh, wow, okay, what does that mean? Where, where, where do I see myself fitting in that next process? And I remember messaging Beth literally the next day, going, well, I'm totally not going to go up on stage and speak. That's, I'm not going to do that. And, <laughs> and literally within days, I listened to Anth, and I heard his call to action. And I thought, ah, I love this too much to see it not be here. And I know I've got a voice. I know I've got something to say. And so I messaged Jenny literally about two hours later, saying, all right, I'm in. I, I want to be a part of this. I want to help. And, you know, I knew I had it in me to do this, and I knew I hadn't been responding to it. But a, a few people have asked me recently, you know, what's your voice? Where's your voice? What are you listening to? And it actually got me thinking, you know, I do have a voice and I have got something to share. And for me, the challenge of coming up here matched my growth. And I thought, I think I can do this. But it's a challenge doing a Sunday morning, a whole Sunday morning, I can tell you that. So I've had to stretch myself to do this, but I've not stretched myself beyond what I know I can manage. You know, it'd be a different story if I said, right, I'm going to go do the drums and sing this weekend. Because <laughs> nobody would want to hear that. And that's me not fitting my growth to the challenge. And that would require learning and changing. You know, you can't ever guarantee the outcomes of these things, but we've got to be willing to try and move and shape and grow. Uh, equally at work, you know, if, if I get asked to make something at work that I know I can't do, like, I don't know, can you uh, weld this huge sculpture out of bronze or something? I think, well, no, I don't know how to do that. But I could make it out of clay, or I could paint it, or I could do that. And it got me thinking a little bit about the humility of knowing your limit. Because sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get trapped into perfectionism. And sometimes it's better to be done and lacking than to die on the cross of perfectionism. And in that flow state, that sacred space, the higher consciousness, you do your best and be done. It's tapping into a higher energy, being a God, and passing through it, and what it's conjuring within you, and flowing with that. What it's inspiring you to do what it's guiding you to be. Shoving negative energy into it isn't going to make it go any better or quicker. Pushing yourself beyond what you can manage just gives you burnout. And you never quite make it as the goalposts are always moving because you're always striving on the draining treadmill of existing, usually at my own expense. But what about when I don't feel the flow? What do I do? You have to keep on growing. I heard a phrase this week that made me laugh. If you don't look at your past self and cringe, then you're not even, and are you even doing it right? <laughs> because it's about growth, it's about evolving, it's about moving on. Life is about reading, reading things, listening to things, watching things, making sure you're growing, being inspired. Being in a state of flow is the ideal, and it's always within reach, but you know, we all have bad days, and we all have days where it just feels an effort. Well, those are the days where you just have to take the small steps 
and pave the way for the next step, because small steps are better than no steps. I heard a, another thing about an author who was writing a book, and they got so stuck on wanting the first opening sentence had to be the, like the best first sentence ever, that they actually just didn't end up writing anything, because they were just so focused on that. Um, and we're at risk if we're not careful of writing nothing when we don't try and grow and try to challenge our growth. We need to stop being at war with ourselves. Once our ego gets intertwined, I start to see the flaws as a problem and my momentum fades. Then we go back into the comparing and the feeling less than or the more than and we become so quick to condemn ourselves and to others. We get so judgmental, the self-loathing slips back in and the you become lost in its surroundings and we slump into our self-pity pit. And we also slip into the profane. You know, we're only as good as the day is going. What the day has given me. What did you get? What did you win? How were you stroked? How were you praised? Did things go your way? Did it feel fair? You're at the mercy of the chaos. But remember the paradox. The good and the bad stuff colliding. Let the experiences pass through you and teach you. Because all is in you and all can be well. It's never too late to rewrite your story or to edit it to copy and paste it. None of this is the final version. You have to learn to love yourself as a whole, stay in the flow, keep growing and find your sacred place. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>